Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast. This is Tyreen Martinson, and today I will be talking to you about Genesis 17, verses 18 through 21, in relation to Romans 9, verses 1 through 16. In our current podcast series, we are studying supplemental readings to go along with our Sunday sermon series on Romans. So Pastor Peter Chernis spoke on Romans 9, verses 1 through 16 on Sunday. Matt Mysteric talked about some supplemental verses from Matthew yesterday, and today I'll be talking about these verses in Genesis 17. Now, I'm pretty sure that Pastor Peter chose these verses because they're a direct correlation with uh, Romans 9, verse 6 through verse 10, uh, which discuss the, uh, the children of, of Abraham and specifically Isaac um, and how through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he talks about how it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So we're going to take a direct look at where that reference is from in Genesis 17. But then we're going to talk again about this idea about so that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy, which is in verse 16 of that chapter, Romans chapter 9 passage. So let's head over here to... Genesis seventeen eighteen through 21. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah shall, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So, if you've read Genesis, or if you haven't read Genesis, I'm going to give you a, a quick, like, little brief summary of what's been going on with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah, who started out life as Abram and Sarai, were called out of their hometown by God to travel to the promised land. And on their journey, a lot of different things have happened. They have had to trust God through uh, wars, through uh, times where they lived in Egypt, and uh, maybe they didn't do everything in a way that I, there's, there's some interesting things to go on there. And I don't have time to talk about all of that. But at this point in their lives, they are older. And at some point before this little section of verses we have here, Abram and Sarai, who'd been promised by God that Abram would be the father of a great nation to give God glory, uh, he and Sarah decided, Sarai decided to take things into their own hands. They were getting older. They hadn't had any kids yet. They both thought Sarai was past the age of childbearing. And so Sarai hands off her handmaiden to Abram and she says, here, have kids with her because, you know, that way you can actually fulfill this 
idea of God's promise and and becoming a great nation for God. And Abram goes along with it. And Abram has Ishmael with his handmaiden. And at about the time that, that Abram is talking, or now he's Abraham, is talking to God here, Ishmael's probably about 12 or 13 years old. And he still doesn't see Sarai having any children. And uh, he wants God to bless Ishmael and make him the child of the covenant. But God says no. And before I go any further in this passage again, think about that Romans 9, uh, 16 verse. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. I believe that Sarai and Abram, or Sarah and Abraham as they come to be, were depending on their own human understanding and their own human willpower to make this covenant promise with God happen. Even though God promised Abraham that he would do this for him, Sarai and Abram got a little impatient and they were going to they were going to make things happen, right? And uh, and I think about all the times in my life when I've been a little impatient and I try to make things happen. It usually does not work out well. It definitely doesn't work out like Sarah and Abraham had planned here. And uh, and God, you know, continues to say, nope, Sarah's the one that's going to have a child with you. And his name's going to be Isaac. And he says, I'm going to establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. So... This is showing that it is not up to our human will or exertion to create glory for God. God's glory is going to happen. God's love is real, and he is the one in charge. It is he who has mercy, he who has compassion, he who makes... (laughs) Things happen and to whom we do give glory, but he's the one who is, is the cause of us giving him glory. Again, it's, it's not our will that makes it happen. It's not our exertion that makes it happen. And sometimes it's hard for us because I think we, we really want to do something. I, I don't know uh, where that comes from, but I, I know I find it myself. I'm like, oh, I need to do something. I need to do something. And I'll end up with a to-do list of 50 items in the morning. And then I'll think, whoa, this is like a month's worth of to-do list items. And I need to calm down. Uh, <laughs> and I know that God um, God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants our worship. He wants us to give him glory. Jesus does say, go and make disciples of all nations. But before he says that, he says, love God and love others like I have loved you. And so I think about that, and I think when I love God, that takes trust. It takes trusting God to both accept God's love and to love him in return. It takes trusting God to love others the way that Christ loved us. And so it all comes back to God. And accepting his love, accepting his compassion and mercy, and accepting that it's about his mercy and his compassion and his glory and his love 
and not about my will or my exertion or my to-do list or my human understanding of how I'm going to, you know, make things happen like Abraham and Sarah tried to make things happen. And another thing that I get out of this passage is this sorrow that Abraham has for Ishmael. He really wants Ishmael to be blessed. And I mean, most parents, they want their children to be blessed. It's it's kind of a natural thing that God gives us, this desire to, to bless our children. But again, it's God's choice what happens here. And I think... I believe this is this is a, a Tyrenism, so please don't quote this as a, a scriptural thing. But I think that Abraham and Sarah, when they took matters in their own hands and then they caused an adulterous relationship to happen, I, I don't think that was a godly thing. Um, I know it's in the Bible, but uh, I don't think it was a, a truly a great uh, thing. They did not have their own human understanding. And... Um, Again, I know from times when I do things out of my human understanding that I mess up a lot. So there, uh, they, they, there's stuff that happens because of that. And yet God does bless Ishmael. He blesses him. He's going to make him fruitful and multiply. He's going to make him a father of 12 princes and make him into a great nation. And so Ishmael is blessed. He's very, very blessed by worldly, earthly life standards. But God establishes his covenant with Isaac, which is an eternal, everlasting blessing. That's far greater, far deeper, far more meaningful than being the father of 12 princes or being the father of a great nation. Although Isaac also becomes the father of a great nation. So another thing that I pull out of this as an application point is, am I longing every day, even though I have the Holy Spirit living in me, am I longing for covenant blessing or am I longing for earthly blessing like Ishmael received? And that's something I have to think about personally and you know, how I act and what I do. Am I relying and trusting on God? And am I seeking after a fuller understanding of that, uh, the covenant blessing that comes from accepting salvation in Jesus Christ and accepting the Holy Spirit into my life? Am I continuing to long after and making that a, a deeper relationship? Or am I getting pulled away by the temptation of longing after the blessings of the world. Um, so that's, again, another application point I've, I kind of landed on when I read these verses. Um, God's glory is going to happen, whether I make it happen or whether any of us try to make it happen. God's glory is assured as much as God's salvation is assured. And so when God has mercy and when God has compassion we have really but one response, and that is to say thank you. Thank you, God, for your mercy and your compassion. And yes, Lord, yes, I accept. I, I want you in my life. That's, those are the responses we have. We, we have worship and acceptance and trust. 
And, and I, I think that's what God truly wants from us because when we worship and when we trust and when we love, when we accept his love and love him in return, it becomes more natural to us to love others in his name and, again, give him glory and worship. Let's pray. Awesome God, we know that you are with us. We know that you are for us, not against us. We know that our salvation is assured in Christ, and we know that you will have mercy upon you, upon whom you will have mercy and compassion upon whom you will have compassion. And Lord, we cry out to you for this world around us that doesn't know you. We cry out to you for the people that we know and love who don't know you yet. And we cry out to you for the people who we don't even know yet, who need you, Lord, and need your mercy and compassion. We, we ask that you would consider showering the whole world with your mercy and so that we may all give you glory. We know that you will be glorified. We know that you are glorified. We also ask, Lord, that you would uh, build up in us, transform lives, that we can share your love with other people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.